If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. And today, we are going to be speaking with Tracy Goodwin about psychology of the voice and the voice masks that we wear that are holding us back. Before I introduce Tracy, though, I've got to ask you a question. Do you know what I've been doing a lot of lately? Strategic planning. It's kind of interesting. Last year, I was saying to clients, and I think a lot of clients also intuitively kind of knew this, 2020 was not the year to do strategic planning. We weren't sure what the future was going to look like, not just because of the pandemic, not just because of the recession, not just because of the election, but everything all rolled in. The future seemed really hazy and vague. We're at a point right now, though, where the future, we can pretty clearly make out what it's going to look like. And so I have had a lot of organizations that have reached out to me about strategic planning, and it's something that I'm doing a good little bit of this year. If you're interested in starting a strategic planning project this fall, reach out to me now because my schedule normally books up three or so months in advance. And now I am so excited to introduce a guest that I got to know in a really interesting way. Tracy Goodwin has decades of voice coaching experience. And listeners, let me tell you how I was first introduced to Tracy. Sometime last year, I recorded a podcast. And typically, what you may not know, after we turn off the record button, the guest and I will just chat for a few minutes. And one guest said to me, have you ever thought about vocal coaching? And I say that with a little bit of a smile on my face, because that's kind of like a guest saying, hmm, you might be a better podcast host if you got a little bit of vocal coaching. Now, interestingly enough, I had thought about vocal coaching. And I'd even, maybe two weeks before that point, said to my husband, Frank, that I was thinking about trying to find a vocal coach to help me get some of the fillers 
out of my conversational voice. So the ums, the you knows, the mm-hmm, all of those types of things. So I said to the guest, yeah, I actually have thought about vocal coaching, and she recommended that I speak with Tracy Goodwin. Now, I got to tell you, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. I scheduled a time with Tracy. I'd already checked her out online. She's got a podcast, so I listened to a couple episodes of her podcast, and her podcast is called Captivate the Room. And I kind of went in thinking, I know I probably should get a vocal coach, but I don't know if Tracy is the right person for me. And we started to talk, and she laid out what she refers to as psychology of the voice. And we're going to talk about this in the episode, too. In fact, this is a lot of what we're going to talk about in this upcoming episode. And I have to admit, you all know I have a social work degree. I believe that things that happen to us in our life can impact and manifest in different ways. But when she first started to share with me the theories around psychology of the voice, I remember thinking, I just want to stop saying, um, and you know so much. And all the rest of this seems like hooey. Like, can't you just make me put a rubber band around my wrist and snap my wrist every time I say an um or you know? Having said that, though, I also eat my own cooking. And I've always believed that as humans, sometimes we should try to stretch ourselves and we should try to put ourselves in situations that maybe we're not entirely comfortable in. So I made the commitment. I was like, Tracy, I'm going to sign up for your next Captivate the Room course. I signed up. I attended each session. And listeners, I have to share with you, between the first session and the second session, she gave us some homework around psychology of the voice And the light bulb went off over my head in the week or so that I was doing that homework. And that's when I realized the psychology of the voice is a real thing. And these voice masks that we have are real things as well. So there are a lot of ways that I could introduce Tracy to you. But the best way is for me to explain to you that I'm a convert and I believe in the work that she is doing. And I believe that all of us in the nonprofit sector, whether we are executive directors talking to boards and the media, whether we are development directors talking to major donors and foundations, or whether we are case managers talking to clients, can all improve the way that we present ourselves vocally. And so I am so excited to introduce Tracy Goodwin. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here with you. And I just love that story so much. Thank you for that fantastic introduction. Well, I appreciate you allowing me to share it because I know some people would not be comfortable with me being really open about what my initial impression was. And admittedly, you won me over and you know that you completely won me over. Well, I I think it's such a powerful story to the process of psychology of the voice. And so many people think just that exactly what you said. Let me get rid of my filler words. Let me speak a little louder or something without even realizing the depths of what really the backstory is. So I think it's such a powerful story and just loved working with you so much. Well, thank you. And I do also have to say that my expectation is this is going to be the highest quality 
conversation that we have on this podcast recording day. You know, we batch record. And the reason is I'm now talking to my teacher, so I'm on my best behavior. And I'm making sure that I'm not using a lot of ums and you knows, although I did just use one. I'm trying really hard to make sure that I don't. Where I was hoping we would start, though, is I understand that you were once working with a young adult. And as part of just an introductory conversation, you suddenly turned into a fortune teller. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I won't go all the way to the backstory, but I always knew that I could discern sounds in people's voices. But I thought it was a little crazy. And so I did what I refer to now as typical voice coaching. But what happened was I was living in New York City. I was I was working at Mike Nichols School and I was working with entrepreneurs and Zoom, just like we do now. And I went to Texas to do a workshop and a young man rattled off his bit. And when I say rattled off his bit, he said some dialogue. And I looked at him and I said, oh, I get it. You moved down here. Uh, you fell in love with some girl and you're down here and she broke your heart and you don't know what to do. You're thinking you might need to move back to the East Coast, Maryland, I think, but you like it here in Austin. And so you're not really sure what to do. And he looked at me and he said, how did you know that? I've, I'd never met this young man. This was a, a workshop that I was brought in to teach. And I said, well, I heard it in your voice. And I looked around the room and of course, you know, everybody was sitting there a little freaked out. And I said, did y'all hear that? And they all said, now we do. And so that was the beginning of a 10-year research study in what is the subconscious processing in our voices that is telling a story beyond our words. Because this young man's words had nothing to do with the fact that he fell in love with a girl and moved to Texas. It was literal sounds that I heard and could identify. And that's going down subconsciously all the time. And obviously that relates to the psychology of the voice, but how does the psychology of the voice affect most of us in just everyday ways? Well, what people don't realize, and this is truly what psychology of the voice is, this is the body of work, this is what gets me excited, is the discovery that our subconscious is what actually puts our voice in. We think, you know, we can look at it from a technical perspective. We have vocal cords, we have air, the air hits, you know, we can, sure, we can talk about that, but that's not the backstory. And I figured this out when I was so fascinated with dialects, that the early years of my career, I taught actors dialects and business people hired me to take their dialects away. And I was fascinated with that, right? And because I was fascinated with voice and dialects and the way I taught dialects, especially based on my ear, I realized we can just shift our face and, and I can shift my face and become Irish. And I thought, why is that? Why do I sound Texan and the Irish sound Irish? It's sense of belonging. The subconscious tells the jaw how to place to create the, the Irish dialect versus the Texas dialect. And I thought, wow, that is, that's it, that's it. But I knew there was more to the story. And so I would watch people come to work with me. And, and I always talk about Bill, who was very, very quiet. And out of nowhere, again, I said, Bill, do you have siblings? 
Yes, I have six older sisters. What I was beginning to see sitting in front of me was there was a story in the mind. And that story for Bill, example, was, Bill, stop talking. We don't want to hear you. Six older sisters. He loved his sisters. It wasn't a bad thing. But Bill's subconscious took that information in and said, don't worry, I've got this. And little by little, Bill got quieter and quieter and quieter because the subconscious was calling the shots. Why does the subconscious call the shots? Because the voice is the utmost place of judgment. It is the orchestra of the heart. And the subconscious goal is to protect that at all cost. So we drop our endings. We speak too quiet. We say nothing at all. People don't realize that they are frustrated with themselves. And why can't I just say something? Or why can't I captivate the room? What they don't realize is there's a story calling the shots. One of the things that I learned while in your coaching program is that a lot of those stories come from long ago and far away in our early childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's usually so shocking to people. Literally, my research shows me that before we're five years old, and this is powerful, only one phrase. It only takes one phrase like, hey, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. And the subconscious globs onto that. And that is what I call the core driver. And then we have a lifetime of relationships and teachers and neighbors and family and bosses. And it just compounds and compounds and compounds. But it always goes back to that core story. And it always is from when we were little. For me, that was really groundbreaking. And one of the things that you talk about, and I really found this to be true, once I realized where that was coming from, it was so much easier for it to just go away without me even consciously trying to make it go away. And so, listeners, in my own personal situation, one of the things is sometimes I talk really fast. And my filler words I will often use while my brain is processing, trying to think what I'm going to say next. So when I say, um, 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 or when I go, hmm, you know, you know, you know, my brain is processing. And for me, the light bulb moment was, and I think it was when I was doing my homework between week one and week two from your coaching course, I suddenly could picture myself, I don't know how old, probably five, maybe four or six. And I'm at home with my parents. And whenever I stop to think about what I'm going to say next, and words don't come that easily for five-year-olds yet. They're still trying to remember words. Although I find at 50, I'm trying to remember words too. But at five, <laughs> I was trying to remember words that I was learning, not words I'd forgotten. Sure. And whenever I would stop, my dad would jump in and just assume that I was done. And so I realized that I have to fill that space or I'm not going to be able to finish what I want to say. And I also realized that there was this time pressure from my parents to, okay, say what you need to say, say it quickly, because adults need to go talk. And when I realized that, and I realized that's what was holding me back, oh my gosh, it suddenly became so much easier to slow myself down and to not say, um, 12 times in three minutes. And I love that story. And I'll remember that moment when you first told me that story for the rest of my life, because that's the power of the work. I could have easily said to you, you need to slow down. 
and we would have played that game for a while and and we could have rewritten that in the muscle memory, but that driver would have continued to call the shot. That driver would have continued that noise in your head that maybe at the uh, until that moment you weren't aware of would have continued to say, you better hurry up and get this. They're getting ready to stop listening. And so I could have said, slow down for ever, but that driver had to be acknowledged. And you saw, it doesn't have to be a deep dive. It doesn't have to be years of discussion about it. It's just this recognition of, oh, that's why I go fast. Cool, I can slow down now. The subconscious just doesn't get the memo, right? Because the subconscious is still trying to keep us safe and still working from that first line when we were five. We don't need it anymore. Right. And it's interesting, when I first heard Psychology of the Voice, what I think is years of painful therapy to work that out. And in reality, it was just realizing what it was and letting it go. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the freedom to know a different story, which is we actually really want to hear what you have to say. And it wasn't that your parents didn't want to hear you. It was that your subconscious created a story around a phrase and was trying to keep you safe. Right. That was it. So, Tracy, how do masks fit into all of this? Because I know we also talk about, at least in the coaching course, we also talked about vocal masks. And I love talking about masks because it's another one of those things that people, they, they never have thought about that the design of it goes all the way back to how I hear things and I can hear the backstory. I can hear what you're doing and it's all linked again to the subconscious. So let's say it's all linked to the story. So we've got voice masks and needing to prove people pleasing words can be a mask. Okay. And it's the concept of it is I have a story that says, well, I've got to prove to you I'm smart enough. Okay, that's your driver. Well, then all of a sudden you're talking to me like this because you got to prove how great you are and you know everything. Well, really, you're hiding behind that. That's a sound that's coming out in your voice because you think you need it because you've bought into the lie of the mind. And now you've got a tone that's saying, oh, yeah, we can do that. I can do everything. And you're repelling potential customers. You're, re- you're destroying relationships among your team because you've got a mask of something you put in place. You thought if you could prove to that person you were worthy or smart enough, they would give you what you wanted. And you put that in place unknowingly, and it is the very thing that is keeping you from getting what you want time and time again. Do we ever create masks that project the way we're feeling? And so, as an example, I'm sure this happens in the for-profit world as well. There are a lot of us in the nonprofit sector, this has been true at points in my career as well, where I have imposter syndrome. But what I find then is, and it's only after taking this course that I realized it, of course, but what I find is when I have imposter syndrome, I'm pretty timid when I present ideas and I kind of stutter and I pull back and I move forward and I pull back. But it's really because I maybe don't feel so certain about my own ability to do this. Great question. And and really, it all of it comes from noise in the head, which noise in the head is stories, right? Who am I to be teaching these people? Look at this audience. They're amazing. Who am I? 
So we, we have got this mind stuff going on, these stories and drivers, but then we can also take a look at what are the habits that were left behind in the muscle memory? So I can say definitively, yes, there's probably a story with some noise that says, what do you think you're doing? Or, or who are you to be doing that? But then I want to look at the outcome. So we question, we, we have to look, okay, what's the noise? And we have to question it. Is that true? And what you're going to find is generally it's not, right? But there's a habit that's left behind of that timidity because who am I to really boldly own this? And what I find is that 99.5% of what we think they're thinking, they're not thinking. So they're not thinking, who's this guy? Who does this guy think he is, right? But that story is there. So we've got to get rid of that story and then we've got to change the habit. And that can simply be in my mind. I know what I'm talking about. I get out of the outcome and I own it because I got to serve these people and I can. So it's a two-pronged process. So yeah, it, it is a mask and, and all masks come from stories. Tracy, something like that actually happened to me last night. And I have to say that I dealt with it in a way that I was relatively happy with. So I was working with a strategic planning work group. And as part of the work, there was a slideshow that I, a slide deck that I'd put together. I was walking them through the slide deck. And then as I'm getting toward the end, I realized that I had accidentally deleted a slide. And I thought about it and I thought, in the grand scheme of things, they don't know that I've accidentally deleted it. I can work this in into another session that we already have scheduled later on. And I just need to keep this rolling. But it was very much what you described. They didn't know that there was another side I planned to present. I didn't need to stop and interrupt the flow and go, oh, wait, let me, it's on Zoom. Let me see if I can find this slide and put it back in. And everyone is then sitting around waiting for me to do it. And then I grow more flustered. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that is literally half my day is people thinking, oh, my gosh, they think I don't know what I'm doing. They, they think I've messed up. They know I've messed up. They, we don't know what you know. So it is all about in the owning. And, and it's really in a lot of ways, what are you working from? Are you working from trusting that you know? You knew. You said, OK, I'll do it next time or I'll work it in. We don't have to unravel. And if we are unraveling, what's the story behind that? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I noticed in the coaching group, a lot of my peers in that group, when you would give us an assignment to do a video or do an audio recording that you would see, and maybe if they posted it in the closed Facebook group, those of us that were in the group would see as well. Some people talked about the difficulty of, oh my gosh, I restarted this 48 times. This, vi this three minute video took me four hours because I restarted it 48 times. And it is almost like that crisis in confidence that, as you said, we don't, they don't know what we know. And we can come across pretty positively and pretty confidently. We just have to stand there and own it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think some of it too is, is having a tangible technique. But in my mind, it always goes back to the driver. Okay, somebody does 42 takes. Well, we're going to knock that out. We're going to get rid of that because you're creating a, a whole nother set of problems first and foremost, but you, you're getting it right. Are you seeking to get it perfect? 
are you, you know, are you not trusting that you got the, know what you're talking about? Are you trying to get the words right? How do I know if the words are right? So it confidence is really about getting rid of the noise in your head and owning in the now that you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And if we can get rid of all that noise, we can own from the start. And I think some of it too is really, we don't give ourselves grace. We, we demand perfection and I've got to get this right. And I'm going to do take after take after take until I get it perfect. And we, we don't allow ourselves to be human and we don't allow the best version of ourselves. We allow no mistakes. And in that holding that box so tight, I've got to get this perfect. What we're really doing is robbing people of our gifts, robbing people of our quirkiness, robbing people of, you know, they say I'm overdramatic. Okay, I'm great with that because that's who I am. But we get so locked in. I've got to get the, all of this perfect and I've got to get this video perfect. And I'm, and then we don't know who you are. And it is in who you are that makes me go, man, I have to work with you. You're my person. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, one of the things that you really helped me with, up to that point, typically for the podcast, I would actually script out the intro and the outro. And I would try to read it with feeling, but it was scripted. And one of the things you helped me with, while I was not one of the people in the class that had to do 48 retakes, thankfully, because honestly, I don't have the, <laughs> I don't have the bandwidth for that. Let right. me be clear. But I was the person in the class who, in the intro and the outro of my podcast, really needed to have it written down and needed to read it. And so one of the ways you helped me was this sense of, okay, maybe it's not perfect, but people aren't going to know that it isn't perfect. People aren't going to know, oh, that in my intro, which by the way, I meant to do, Tracy, my intro of you, I meant to point out that you do a lot of coaching, voice coaching with corporate execs, entertainers, talent, et cetera. And I meant to include that and I didn't. And, you know, I filed it away and now I just told everybody. So boom, I got it done anyway. But it's really then just going down to have these bullet points and then kind of do it off the cuff. And for me, that has been just such an incredible experience to be able to do it. Where it's also helped me, because I only podcast one day a month. You know, I, I batch record the podcast. We record typically six to seven episodes in one day, and it's a long day, but I only, I only really record the podcast one day a month. I have meetings, especially right now, Listeners, we're recording this in March. I think it's going to be released in July. So all my meetings are still by Zoom. Hopefully they won't be in July, but right now all my meetings are still by Zoom. And so I spend a lot of my day in Zoom meetings. One of the ways that you really help me is now in preparation for a meeting, I might write five or six bullet points of things that I want to make sure I cover in this meeting. And I write it on a three by five card. I fold over the top and I just hang it on my laptop. And so it's right there. I literally put it as close to the camera as I can so that I'm looking when I when I read it and I'm not going back and turning my head away and people can definitely hear and see that I'm doing something else. And for me, that was a big game changer, that sense of just be confident in what you're doing. Well, because you know. You know what you're talking about. And this is another one all day long. People come in with the script. They're the expert, and it is literally a reframe 
you know what you're talking about. But we've bought into a story that says, I've got to get this right. And so I better have this script because I'm going to have to get it right rather than working. We work from a different place now. I do know what I'm talking about. If I see this nugget of this word, I'm going to know. I'm going to know what to do. And it's a reframe in the mind and a reframe in the delivery. But that was such a beautiful example. When you did the intro, you didn't you didn't flip out and unravel. Oh, my goodness. I forgot to say this one line that I didn't even know you were going to say, nor did the listener. You You work from a different place. You trust, I'm going to get it in, or they don't need to hear it. It's just that simple. This, this, I've got to get it right is the same as a script. The minute you go to that place, you're up in your head. And the minute you're up in your head, you your voice won't work. You cannot show me who you are. Now, do you see why the subconscious wants you to have a script? Because you're safer in the subconscious mind's eye if I don't know who you are, if you're just dumping a bunch of words on me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We can feel clinical and safe, but not reveal yeah. ourselves. That's right. Now, though, I'm going to ask you to reveal just a little bit about you because it's time for the off the map question. And Tracy, this is a way for our listeners to get to know you a little bit more as a person, in addition to being the professional. And good news, bad news, listeners, this off the map question is probably actually on the edge of the map, but it's still the question I've really got to ask. So, Tracy, you have two graduate degrees, one in child drama, which, of course, I've joked with you. I hope that means like theater and not children throwing temper tantrums. And the second is in corporate communications. So clearly you have done voice work and vocal work with kids and with adults. How is teaching youth vocal work similar to teaching adults. One of the big differences, which I, I want to recognize, they're very, very similar in a lot of ways because the core is the core. The psychology of the voice is the psychology of the voice. But what is most interesting to me is to watch a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or maybe even a 14-year-old. Then we're starting to move into a whole nother scene. We're moving into the closer to an adult is they are almost always in full expression. They have no fear around squealing or being loud or being quiet or putting on an animated voice. Give me a 40-year-old that'll do that. That's just gonna be a hard sell, right? So they are, they are similar in the way that the psychology of the voice works and what we and the masks that we put in place. The difference is, is what I'm doing with the 40 year old is I'm actually taking them back to the place of five where they weren't worried about judgment anymore. And they were free to show me who they really are and what I call the bits of them and use their entire vocal orchestra. Oh my gosh, Tracy, that's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for being on today. Listeners, I want to make sure that you know how to reach out to Tracy. So first of all, check out our website, CaptivateTheRoom.com. And there are two specific things I want you to look at on that page. The first is she has a podcast, Captivate the Room. And by the way, you can also just open up your podcast streamer. Clearly, you've got it open right now. And you can search for Captivate the Room. 
but also at CaptivateTheRoom.com, you can get her three video series, The Voice Formula. She does not charge for this. It is something that you can binge and use right away. Now, if you find her podcast helpful and useful, and if you find The Voice Formula video series useful, Frankly, I also suggest that you consider joining one of her coaching groups. You know, I say that I eat my own cooking, and I believe that in this sector, we should all be striving and driving to be better at what we do. And all of us in the nonprofit sector communicate to someone. And if we can communicate more effectively, not only you, but your organization will be more effective as well. So once you've gotten some basic learning from what she has available, make sure you check out these coaching groups. Hey, Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was great to see you and great to have this conversation with you. Well, listeners, if you have missed any of those URLs, although I think it's probably just one, Captivate the Room and open up your streamer and Google Captivate the Room, If you missed that, you know you can go to SuccessfulNonprofits.com, check out our show notes, and we will link to her website as well as to her podcast on Apple Podcasts and probably some of the other streamers as well. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you got something out of this episode, if it made you think, hmm, I can see some ways now that I can use this to improve the way that I communicate, There's two more episodes that I want you to check out. One is episode number 62, Crafting Your Nonprofit's Language to Lead, Engage, and Advocate with Erica Mills. Because once you are feeling confident and you are ready to get out there and communicate, now you just probably need to do a little crafting to make sure you've got that message ready when the audience is there. The second episode is The Leadership Wake-Up Call with Jeb Banner. That, listeners, is our show for this week. I hope that you have gained some insight to help your nonprofit thrive in a competitive environment. And you know, I always got to give you a disclaimer. I'm not an accountant nor an attorney, and neither I nor the Goldenberg Group provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This podcast, is, this is a shocker, is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for tax, legal, and accounting advice. I say this every week. It feels pretty obvious to me. But if you, that's the kind of professional advice that you need, please find a credentialed, licensed professional in your area. If you don't know who to reach out to, you can always contact me. And if I know someone in your area, I am happy to make the connection.